This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Confession's good for the soul. I changed my mind this week. Is it ever okay for a man to change his mind? I know you ladies, you have that license, but uh, remember last week, those of you that were here, I asked you to read the book of Ruth in preparation for today. We're not going to talk about Ruth. Now, it's going to serve you well. Uh, because Lord willing, we'll, we'll get to that later. But as I was, I was studying, I thought, man, this would be an amazing way to end up our series because we get into Ruth and Boaz and the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it was just so powerful. And uh, so we're going to get to that. Um, but today we're going to be in Judges chapter 4. This is part 6 of our series called Right in Your Eye. And, of course, that title comes from the phrase... Um, in the book of Judges, of everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And this statement is a summary of the 330 years of history from the time that Israel stepped foot into the promised land up to when they went to a system of kings. And, and just so you have a time perspective of our lesson today, it takes place approximately 175 years after Israel got into the promised land. Now, I've reminded you each week, the book of Judges illustrated a cycle that repeated itself over and over. First of all, the Israelites would drift into spiritual lethargy, and then that lethargy would lead them into sin. Now, I, I, I want to just, I guess, say this before I continue on, and, and I want your attention here, because spiritual lethargy will almost always pull us into sin. Whenever we become lukewarm, whenever we feel lethargic towards spiritual things, almost always we'll drift back into some addictions or other types of sin. Uh, lukewarmness, lethargy, doesn't just stop with our being lukewarm Christians. It's progressive. It grabs a hold of us and we go back into sin. But anyway, the Israelites would drift into lethargy, lukewarmness, they would sin, they would start worshiping idols, which would then cause God to bring about consequences. Sometimes the consequences were drought. It wouldn't rain and they wouldn't have any crops. Sometimes there would be an invasion of locusts. They would have crops, but the locusts would eat them all. Sometimes an army would come in and, and take over the, the people. Sometimes a plague would come in and wipe out thousands of Israelites. But then, after the consequences, it was fairly predictable. Israel would fall on their knees, ask God for forgiveness, and they would repent. And God would be faithful to take them back. Now, our lesson today begins in one of those spiritual valleys that they've sinned. And in fact, this was a 20-year-long spiritual valley. Israel had strayed from God. God allowed them to come under the oppressive control of a king called Jabin, who was one of the Canaanite kings. Predictably, Israelite, Israel cried out to God. Let's read the account. Judges chapter 4, verse 1. After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So there again, they fall into sin. Verse 2. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hegoyim. 
because he had 900 chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. So there are the consequences. They cried to the Lord for help. There's the repentance. Verse 4, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. They sent for Barak or also Barak. I, I looked it up and both are correct. Barak, son of Abinoam from Kedish in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Now, let's stop here for a little bit. For 20 years, Israel had suffered under the cruel regime of Jabin. Jabin's powerful army was led by a man named Sisera. And one of the things that made Sisera's army so powerful is that they had 900 chariots made of iron. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to us. But at that time, iron chariots, they, it was the most advanced technology around. It would have been similar to our having 900 armored tanks. So when you would shoot arrows at those chariots, they'd just bounce off the iron. Uh, or even if the arrows were flame-tipped arrows, they would not catch the, uh, the chariots on fire. Israel at this time did not have that technology. They had nothing but swords and spears, bows and arrows. And, and so you put those swords, spears, bows and arrows up against a superpower that had 900 armored tanks, you had no chance. But despite what seemed like an impossible situation, in our lesson we see that there was a judge in Israel that didn't panic. Thank God for those people who have the ability to think clearly and have a calming effect during stressful situations. You know, most of us have a meltdown. We panic. Um, but, but thank God for those people that once in, a while, once in a while come along who are naturally equipped to deal with tough times. And in Israel, there was that person. This person did not panic. This person did not run, did not cower in fear. And what's interesting is that this person was not a king. This person was not a general in the army. In fact, this person was not even a man. Surprise! This person was a woman by the name of Deborah. And by the way, do you know what Deborah means? Honeybee. That's what her name meant, honeybee. And, and Deborah came to the forefront and, and not only was willing to be a worker bee, but she began to lead like a queen bee. Now, we don't have a lot of information about Deborah, but we do know a couple of things about her. Number one, we know that she was a prophetess. The Bible said that. Um, and she wasn't the only prophetess mentioned in the Bible. There are several others. Miriam, the sister of, of Moses, New Testament, Luke chapter 2. Anna was a prophetess. She held baby Jesus in her arms. And, and then uh, in the book of Acts, there was a man named Philip who had four daughters, and, and they were all prophetesses. But, but not only was Deborah a prophetess, Deborah was a judge that held court in the hill country in that area. Now, uh, in, the, in the area of Ephraim. Now, I don't think that 
Deborah was like Judge Judy. She was Judge Deborah, a woman anointed by God and equipped with amazing wisdom to where people came from great distances to have their disputes settled. And again, you know, there are many people who have the gift of stirring up controversy. They're pot stirrers. And you'll be thankful I won't mention any of your names this morning. Uh, but not only are there pot stirrers, I'm grateful that once in a while you come a, a, across someone who has the gift of being able to bring peace and settle arguments and, and disagreements and bring solutions to the conflict. And Deborah, the prophetess, the judge, was blessed by God in being able to do that. Now, as kind of a side note, and I know I'm walking on really thin ice in our society today by saying this, but that's not, never stopped me from saying like this before, saying something like this before, but I want to point out that Deborah did not try to act like a man. She knew her role. Now, let me just take a couple of minutes here uh, and explain myself. It, I want to make it clear that men and women have equal value. Is there amen? I heard one amen. Uh, they have equal intelligence. And, and actually, I hate to admit this, but I think that women as a whole are probably a little bit smarter than men. Uh, there was one brave woman. Now, I wouldn't know if I would call her brave in the early service, but she said amen out loud on that one. Um, I'm also finding out, this really hurts a little bit, Ryan Hubbard, but I'm finding out that women in many cases are better shots aim with a gun. I mean, it's true. And, and, yeah. and, and even though we call women the weaker vessel, they outlive us by, what, seven years, something like that? Plus, women many times are more discerning than men. You know, I've said to our many uh, staff many times, you know, if someone comes in seeking assistance or, or there, there's, you know, we're trying to sort through a situation, here's what I've told our staff. I've said, trust the discerning spirit of a woman over a man. But, but anyway, uh, with men and women, as far as value and, and worth, there's equality. But it's clear that God designed us differently, and not just the obvious physical differences, but God designed us with different roles and different responsibilities. And Deborah knew that. And, and I love this next verse that, that, that tells us, helps us to understand that, that she knew her role as a judge, as a prophetess. Listen to this, Judges 5, 7. Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose arose a mother in Israel. Now, that is so powerful to me. It just impacted me this week, this week that Deborah understood her calling, yes, to help settle disputes and conflict, but and in a moment we will see where Deborah understood her calling to help deliver Israel from the hands of Jabin and Sisera, but she never, ever forgot her calling as a mother in Israel. I was uh, chewing on this this past week and got to thinking about some ladies that have made an impact like, like Deborah. I think of a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boom. God gave her incredible wisdom and courage and she gave hope and, and she gave Jesus to so many people during the war. 
I thank God for another lady by the name of Fanny Crosby. We sing many of her songs. Do you realize that she wrote over 9,000 hymns during her lifetime? I think of another lady less known around the world, but not less known to God. And she was actually the first missionary for the Church of God Holiness. A little over 100 years ago, this lady, a single lady by the name of Amelia Buker, left our great state of Missouri, made her way to New York City. She knew God had called her to serve as a missionary in India. And, but the problem was that uh, she didn't have financial backing to make the trip over there. She had enough money to get to New York City. So she went there. When she arrived in New York City, she had the grand total of one dime to her name, 10 cents. Just enough to catch a cab to the post office. And you've heard stories like this, but it's so amazing that she got to the post office and the general delivery at the post office, she received an envelope with a check in it. You, you know the rest of the story. It happened to be just the right amount to get to India. And so she pioneered a work in India, dedicated her life to this cause. And in fact, her heart was there. And she said, you know, when I die, I want not only my heart to be here, but I want my body to stay there. And, and so in 1952, she died, was buried in, in one of the cemeteries there. But what's interesting is that for years, no one, including her family, knew where she had been buried. So just a few years ago, I, I was so honored to be commissioned by the leaders of our denomination to go to India and and try to find out where she had been buried. And we wanted to find her grave. And I get emotional because to me it was just such a big deal to be able to go and try to find the remains of this hero of the, of the faith. And we wanted to give proper closure and honor for her family. And so I embarked on a mission to find where Amelia Buker had been buried. And we'd done some research before as much as we could. And we thought that we knew the general area but didn't know the cemetery and course in a country of over 1 billion people that speak 1,600 different languages. It's kind of like you go from one county to another county, they speak another language, and we knew the odds were against us. We, we knew that probably there were better odds of finding a needle in a haystack than finding where Amelia was buried in India. But we'd asked God for His favor, and... And I'll spare you all the details. Sometime I'd love to just tell you all the details. But, but I believe that God, and I know sometimes we, we use this term very loosely. You know, we say, well, God led me. But I truly believe that God favored us and he led us to a little cemetery. And there were several God things that took place. One was that those in charge of this particular cemetery were willing to talk to us. And they even understood a little bit of English. Secondly, and this was unexpected, but in their very simple office, and, and I've got a picture of that office there. If you want to go to the next slide, that's the office there. Just a very, very simple office. They actually had the burial records that went clear back probably to the beginning of the cemetery. Thirdly, God granted us favor. And this was also unexpected. You know what they did? They opened the books on the desk and said, look at it. 
Uh, we began searching for the name Amelia Bucher. We knew she had died in 1952. And I get chills this week just thinking about this. I got chills in my office. We hadn't searched very long until we came across the following. Next slide, please. There's the list that we were looking at. We went down. Bucher. Oops, back. Bucher. Amelia. Missionary. This would be February 7th, 1952. You can't imagine just the the emotion that went through us. And then the, the, the next slide here, we were wondering, okay, where was... She? I call this a small cemetery for, for India. It was a small cemetery, but it, it made our little cemetery here in Elderberry Springs look... Uh, you know, it, it was mammoth compared to that. So then here is another ledger they let us look at. We came down here again, Amelia Bucher, and here's the area where she was actually buried, the, the, the actual place. Well, then we read something else. Uh, next slide, please. It said, Purchase grave lying without monument for two years and more after the date of burial will be considered as forfeited and be liable for use for fresh burials by the board. And so if, uh, if there wasn't a, a permanent headstone, tombstone that was put up, then within two years they would take the remains out and put them in kind of a pit and, and, and just burn, burn, burn the bones. And, uh, but anyway, we went to the location. Next slide, please. And, and this is the area. This is the place where she had been buried back in 1952. But now there was, um, you know, someone else there. And so uh, we, we were, you know, just a little bit, you know, troubled. What do we do here? Because we wanted to give just kind of a proper honor and closure. And, and so we said, okay. How can we do something that's permanent? And so they, they instructed us what we needed to do. We needed to get a, a headstone. And we said, okay, what's the fastest we can get a headstone? And, and so they said, well, money talks. And uh, we said, okay, well, how fast? They said, we can have it later on today. And, and so uh, what, what's the cost? And, uh, you know, we'd like a nice headstone. We want marble and, and, and something that would really give proper closure. And, and so uh, if we go to the next one. We had this this fashioned, and, and uh, we paid a lot of money for this, but it was worth it. It was about 150 bucks uh, for this, and it says, In loving memory of Amelia Bucher, 1878 to 1952, that others may know Christ. One more slide there. We put it there, permanent, paid the fee, just as a proper closure to this amazing lady of the faith all of that to say that thank god for amelia Bucher. thank god for women in this church some of you ladies that are filled with wisdom and anointing you love the lord jesus christ with all your heart and many of you are godly representatives of our lord anyway that was deborah Let's get back to our lesson. <laughs> Sorry for that emotional moment there. But God had asked the army of Israel to go up against the powerful and practically invincible army of, of Sisera that had 900 chariots of iron. Let's find out what happened. Judges chapter 4 verse 8. Barak or Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. 
But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now that's a real man there. <laughs> Basically saying, you know what? Uh, I need you to go with me and hold my hand. That's kind of what he was saying. Verse 9, very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. Leave it to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedish, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. So Deborah said, Barak, God is commanding you to lead the army into battle, but if you're too afraid to go by yourself, you can count on me to go with you. Just on a side note, I wonder this past week, I wonder about myself, how many times has God asked us to do something and we're like Barack and afraid to do what God asks us to do because in our minds it would be like going up against 900 armored tanks. And so we've said no to God. If God asks you to do something, let me encourage you with this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful and will do it. If God calls you, not if you go in your own strength, but if God calls you, he who calls you is faithful and will do it. If God calls you to go up against 900 chariots of iron, he will be faithful to go with you. Well, let's see how Deborah handled the situation that seemed hopeless. Judges 14 or 4, 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. Now, Sisera, because of the 900 chariots of iron, was pretty sure of the outcome. His chariots were superior. His army was better. He was undefeated. It was a matter of time before Sisera would crush these little backwoods Israelites. But that's where Sisera messed up. His trust was in the wrong place. His trust was in chariots and horses. Do you remember this scripture? Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They're brought to their knees and fall. Those who trust in chariots and horses says, but we rise up. Those who trust in the name of the Lord, our God, we rise up and stand firm. And Sisera trusted in chariots and horses. Barak, Deborah trusted in the name of the Lord, our God. Now, I want you to fast forward to Judges chapter five. Now, Judges chapter four gives the outcome, but Judges chapter five gives more details to how it happened. I want the details here. And these details are in a song that Deborah is singing about the victory. Let's read it. Judges 5, 3. Hear this, you kings. It's a song. Listen, you rulers. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Oh, Lord, when you went out from, Mount, from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. And, and skip on down to verse 20. From the heavens, listen to this, this is interesting, the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The, the river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon, march on my soul, be strong. Now, would you allow me to try to piece the details together 
from these verses. Um, may not have happened exactly like this, but, but I think I'm pretty close. The Israelites are at the foot of Mount Tabor. In fact, this isn't far from where Armageddon is going to be fought. Let me just show you, get you a geographical perspective here. Next slide, please. All right, here is the, the, the Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea, Jordan River. Right here is Mount Tabor. This right here is Megiddo. This is the valley of Armageddon where the Bible says that in the last days there will be a battle where blood will flow up to the bridle of horses right there. And by the way, those of you who are going with us to Israel here in three weeks, uh, we will be down here, see this area where the battle of Armageddon will, will be fought. But anyway, the Israelites are at the foot of Mount Tabor. Here comes Sisera, the powerful general, his charioteers with 900 chariots of iron. But then something happens. And in Judges chapter 5, verse 4 says, The earth began to shake and the clouds poured down water. Now, some of you were raised with a King James Version, and I happen to love the way it says this. It says, The earth trembled and the heavens dropped. I mean, it rained so hard, the bottom fell out. Uh, I, I think the old-timers used to say, this rain was like a stump floating, frog strangling rain. Is that any old timers in here that remember this? And, and then in the King James Version, verse 5, it says that the mount, mountains melted. Have you thought about that? And just trying to piece things together, maybe the mountains melting could have been a mudslide because of all the rain. And then with all the rain, that little brook Kishon began to overflow. And soon the entire battlefield turned to mud. Um, Josephus was a historian. And uh, I, I have his works here, the works of, of Josephus, uh, complete, unabridged. But listen to his account how this happened. He said, there came a blinding rainstorm, and it was moving in the direction from which Sisera's army was coming. And the rain was right in the face of his charioteers. And, and it was a cold rain, and their clothes got soaked, and their arms got numb, and the chariot wheels bogged down, and God gave the victory. And the river Kishon swept them away. Now, Judges 5.20 explains it from a bigger perspective. It says, from the heavens... I pointed this out earlier, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about that? The stars fought. Well, let me tell you what that means. It means that the fight was fixed. In fact, let me just tell you a secret here. Don't tell anybody. But the whole universe is against the person who is against God. Don't ever get the idea that you can fight against God and win. It may look like you're winning for a short time, but you can't fight against God and win. And yes, for 20 years, the Israelites have been suffering under Jabin and Sisera, but at the right time, God said, enough is enough. And the Bible says, from the heavens, the stars fought. So I guess he lined up the stars against Sisera. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
You know, when God called Moses and said, lead my people out of Egypt, Pharaoh should, you know what he should have done? He should have called out his chariots and charioteers and escorted Israel out of the land of Egypt and into the promised land. That's what he should have done. But he didn't. And he trusted in his horses and chariots. And the result was that God downed Pharaoh's army and horses in the Red Sea left those bleached bones on the shores as a reminder that it pays to trust in the name of the Lord our God. The ancient country of Rome at one time was the bully of the world. They controlled both land and sea. But there was a man named Pilate. And he failed to set Jesus free and instead sentenced him to die. And not too many years after that, Rome had a collision with the stars. Rome collapsed and has become just a piece of refuse in history's garbage can. And then Napoleon, he was an arrogant man. If you've ever read about him, Napoleon marched on Moscow. He had a half a million hand-picked soldiers. Soon he would have Moscow. And in his mind, he would have the world. Well, a snowflake fell and kissed his cheek. He brushed it off with a laugh. And then another snowflake. And then another. And another And buckets, avalanches of snowflakes, mountains of snow. And Napoleon's horses floundered and sank in the snow and half a million hand-picked soldiers were frozen on the plains of Russia. Do you know what Napoleon had boasted? Here's what he had boasted. He said, God is on the side of the heaviest battalions. And he was right. But he forgot that God stations his battalions in the heavens. He trusted in his horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So don't ever forget that even during our toughest times, God is there. He's a sovereign God, amen, who controls everything. And not a snowflake falls without his permission, not a blade of grass moves without his consent, not a cloud forms without his command, not a drop of rain comes down unless he gives that order. And all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And all things will eventually work together for bad for those who don't serve God. Well, do you want to hear the rest of the story? Um, Remember we read where Barak said, the only way I'll go is if Deborah goes with me. And she said, okay, but you'll not get the honor for the victory. A woman will receive the honor for it. Let's read about it in Judges 4.17. Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If somebody comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. Now, I want you to picture this. But J.L., Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg. Tent peg. And a hammer. And went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted, She drove the peg through his temple 
into the ground and he died. I guess literally she hit the nail on the head. It's really bad, isn't it? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Barak came in, came by in pursuit of Sisera. Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. Now, by the way, Jael probably was a Bedouin woman. And they were responsible for pitching the tents. So this wasn't the first tent peg she had driven. Maybe through the temple, but not for a tent. So she was probably practiced at using a hammer, mallet, and a tent peg. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. Let's, uh, let's try to bring this to a close, and I want to make three summary statements, and then we're out of here. First of all, ladies, this is for you. I'm talking to you. May God stir up in you the same resolve as this mother in Israel. A resolve to fight for truth and to fight for your family. Whether you know it or not, there is an open assault against the family today. Ladies, we need you in the battle. Don't shirk your duty in the home, but neither shirk your duty to your country. Secondly, men, this is for you. Shirking our God-given responsibilities will cause God to withhold blessings that He wants to give you. So, men, step up to the plate. Let's not be slackers anymore. And it's not that God can't work around us when we're slackers. I mean, He can call in a Deborah. But I believe that we as men are missing a lot of assignments that God is giving us. So let's step it up. And then number three, impossible situations are not impossible as long as God is on our side. God lined up the stars against Sisera. The bottom dropped out. The mountains melted. God can take care of impossible situations. So as we wrap things up today, I just want to ask you, what are the impossible situations in your life? Addictions? children that are lost an incurable disease conflict a relationship you can't seem to get out of that's unholy what what is that hopeless situation in your life today here's what I'd like for us to do and this week is let's trust in the God that was able to bring victory against 900 armored tanks. And really, it's not the weaponry because God lines up the stars. He fights from the heavens. His battalions are there. And so I want to give you hope and courage. Whatever seems impossible for you is not impossible for God. Let's pray together. 
Lord, I just pray that today we would get a glimpse of the armies in the heavens. Father, I just pray that there would be something. God, that that hope would just be injected into us. Lord, those that are going up in possible situations, addictions, family struggles, marriage issues, issues with children, depression, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would not trust in chariots and horses, but we would trust in you the Lord of hosts and so God I I pray that you would just come and meet us at our 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 need Lord just the personally because Lord I think we all we all have struggles Lord I was hearing about a family the other day that we would most of us would know and we would think that family has it all together they've got it together financially they're just the picture perfect family and they have everything they've got to be so supremely happy and Lord, as I just kind of got inside that situation a little bit, found out there's stress, there's fear. Or there are so many things there that on the outside you would never know. And God, I pray that for those of us that maybe have come across that way, that we would just be transparent. And Lord, you didn't design us to be lone rangers, but Father, you designed us to need each other and to come alongside of each other and I pray, God, that today we would just find hope in these situations that seem so hopeless. Lord, you don't always answer our prayers like we want. But, Lord, you answer our prayers like we need. And, God, the whole formula that you have for our life that includes some good times and some bad times and some some tough times and some wonderful times, Lord, that whole formula is designed it's on purpose because you are trying to fashion us into a man of God or a woman of God and and we need the good and the bad Lord we trust you because you're a good God so Lord I I ask that this week as as we go throughout every day that we would just seek you and again Lord that we would not trust in chariots and horses that we would not trust in our finances that we would not trust in our government or our country we wouldn't even trust in our church that we wouldn't even trust in our pastor but lord we would trust in the name of the lord our god and so father i just pray specifically that that would be applied to us this week and that you would give us some answers and i pray that lord there would be some battles that would be won this week that addictions would be defeated lord that depression would be defeated i pray that Lord, I even believe that there are, are those times when you want to just bring supernatural healing to incurable diseases. Families can be restored. I pray that there would be battles won this week in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for whatever you do, we're not going to give credit to anything this church does or anything else. It's going to be because of the Lord God of hosts. Thank you for this time together. Go with us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. As usual, we've got your memory verse. This is uh, from Psalms. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. So you'll be receiving that on the way out. And I would ask you again, say that out loud, twice a day. Get it in your mind. But more than that, get it in your heart so it can come out your life. 
and make a difference. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.